Good evening. Good evening and welcome. Welcome to our Good Friday commemoration. We have gathered together this evening to remember and reflect upon the death of Jesus Christ. For Christians, Good Friday is something of a paradox. We call it good because our eternal salvation was accomplished at the cross. We have nothing good without Jesus' death, and we certainly don't have anything resembling salvation. But at the same time, what we, what we, what we call good was also agonizing. The Son of God was rejected, spit upon, mocked, beaten, and crucified. Those are shameful things. You can even argue that Good Friday is humanity at its worst as we reject the Maker and despise the God-given Redeemer. If it were not for the Bible's interpretation of Good Friday, there would be no reason to call this day good. And that's our aim for this evening. We want to hear what God's Word has to say about this day we call Good Friday. We're going to re read a series of passages this evening and we'll follow each reading with a song of response. There's no sermon tonight and that's on purpose. What happened at the cross is beyond human wisdom and so it's only through scripture that we can understand and appreciate Good Friday. No human mind can conceive that God the Son would take on flesh precisely for the purpose of dying on a, on a cross. The cross of Christ can only and entirely be the plan of God. And for that reason, and as an act of humility, we want God's word to frame our time together. It's only through the Bible that we can understand and call this day good. The theme this evening is atonement. By atonement, we mean Jesus' death on the cross was the divinely purposed payment for the sins of God's people. At the cross, Jesus satisfied God's wrath against sin. That's what we mean by atonement. Jesus' blood cleanses God's people from sin. That's what we mean by atonement. Jesus' death reconciles sinners to God. That too is part of atonement. In short, nearly the entire work of salvation is captured in that word atonement. So if we want to be biblical in our reflections on Good Friday then we need to dwell on this truth that Jesus atoned for the sins of the people of God. To that end, we're going to follow what you could call the movement of the gospel for this, for this evening. We're going to begin with the need for atonement, which has to do with our status as sinners. We'll then move to the promise of atonement, which has to do with God's action to deal with sin. We'll linger on the making of atonement, which is only possible because Jesus, the God-man, endured the shame of the cross. And then we'll conclude with the blessing of atonement, where believers enjoy now the unspeakable privilege of entering God's presence through the blood of Christ. Each of those scripture passages will be followed by a song of reflection. And our hope, friends, very simply, is that by the end of the evening, 
Each of us will be renewed in wonder that Christ, the Son of God, atoned for our sin once and for all. That's our hope. To that end, let's pray together as we begin our time of reflection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this evening recognizing that what we call Good Friday is good only because your word tells us that it is so. In that the Son of God was making atonement and accomplishing salvation for the sins of his people. We call it good, Father, because we know that Resurrection Sunday is coming. And we call it good because through Christ's work on the cross, we have come to know you, the only true God. So as we listen to the Bible tonight, God, as we sing songs of reflection and pray together, we we do ask that you would renew in us a sense of wonder that the Son of God would die for his people. We pray, Father, for renewed repentance in our hearts that we would seek to forsake sin. And Father, we pray for the glory of your Son to be lifted up among us, that his name would be exalted and magnified. We ask all these things, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Amen. Friends, let's stand for our call to worship from God's word. Our call to worship is one verse tonight. It's Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, as our brother just pointed out, that's why we're gathered tonight to celebrate the gospel, to worship God for what he's done in Christ. So it's only fitting that the first song we sing summarizes the gospel. So please lift up your voices and let's exalt Christ. Come behold the wondrous mystery In the dawning of the King He the theme of heaven's praises Robed in frail humanity In our longing, in our darkness Now the light of life has come Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, be the perfect Son of Man. In His living, in His suffering, Never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law in him we stand. Come behold the wondrous mystery. 
Christ the Lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the Lamb in victory see the price of our redemption see the Father's plan unfold bringing many sons to glory Grace unmeasured, love untold. Come beyond the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, any any right commemoration of Good Friday must begin with the biblical fact that we are sinners. By nature, humanity comes into this world opposed to God. And by action, we display our opposition to God. We fail to do what God commands and we often do what God's word forbids. The Bible teaches it and humanity demonstrates it without question. We are sinners. If we are to ever come into relationship with a holy God, then something must be done to deal with our sin. Our first scripture reading this evening is from Romans 3, and it acknowledges our sinful condition. We're going to read this passage together responsively, so that it functions like our own confession before the Holy God. On the screen or in your worship guide, you'll see the underlined or bolded text, and that's what we will read together. We'll follow that with a time of silent prayer, where we can confess our sins before the Lord. Let's listen now to God's word from Romans chapter 3. Again, the text in underline or in bold, we will read together. Scripture tells us, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Friends, take a moment of Just silent prayer to confess your sin before the Lord.
Merciful Father, we confess to you and to one another that we have sinned against you by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not set our minds on things above, but on things below. You alone know how often we grieve you by wasting our gifts, by wandering from your ways, and by being consumed with ourselves. Forgive us, Father, we pray. Deliver us from sin. Renew in us the grace and strength of the Holy Spirit so that we might walk in holiness before you for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen. Feel free to remain seated for the next few songs and scripture readings, but let's lift up our voices and let's sing in response to what we just read together and prayed. was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will, and if you had Love me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld love displayed you suffered in my place you bore the wrath reserved for me now all I know is grace hallelujah all I So almighty, the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let my song forever be my only boast is you.
In order to understand the gospel, we have to begin with the reality that we are sinners, which we've just done. But the Bible does not stop with the reality that we are sinners. It's astonishing that God would take the initiative to deal with the sin of his people. Rather than leave us in our sin or immediately consign us to judgment, God, by his grace, chose to redeem a people for himself. Beginning in the Old Testament, God promised that he would provide atonement for his people. That promise was anticipated in the sacrifices of Israel's temple. But that promise was perhaps most clearly pictured in the words of Israel's prophets. Through the prophet Isaiah, for example, God promised that he would provide a substitute who would stand in the place of God's people and bear their sin. Let's listen now to this promise of atonement from Isaiah chapter 43. This is what the scriptures declare. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see. And that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was crushed for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. 
Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. sorrows what a name for the son of god who came ruined sinners to reclaim alleluia what a savior bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood alleluia what a savior guilty violent helpless weak Godless Lamb of God was He, full atonement, can it be, Alleluia, what a Savior, lifted up was He to die, was his cry now in heaven exalted high alleluia what a savior when he comes our glorious king all his ransom don't to bring and anew this song will sing alleluia 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 what a The Gospel of Mark recounts what God did to fulfill this promise of atonement. Again, I want you to appreciate that no human imagination could conceive of such a scene. If we had a thousand lifetimes, none of us would ever imagine that God would become a man to die to save the very people who despised him. 
It's only, it's only because of the glorious, soul-satisfying truth from the Bible that we would ever hear such news. Hear now how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made atonement for his people from the Gospel of Mark. Now at the feast, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led Jesus away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha ha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, He's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, 
saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way Jesus breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. To see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten, then nailed to a cross of wood. This the power. Of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see the pain. Written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. Every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning your blood-stained brow. This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath we sent, forgiven at the cross. Now the daylight flees, now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. Curtain torn into, dead are raised to life, finish the victory cry. This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds. For through your suffering, I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. 
Part of the glory of the atonement is that Jesus Christ died as our substitute. We just sang, in our place condemned he stood, the old hymn says. But Jesus' work on our behalf continues even now as he represents us before God. This is the blessing of the atonement. Having paid for our sins, Jesus Christ brings us into the presence of God. And there in God's presence, Jesus intercedes for us until the day when he will return again to gather those who are eagerly waiting for him. Hear then the blessing of Christ's atonement from Hebrews chapter 9. The scriptures tell us, When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established, For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified by these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, what a comfort. Jesus is our great high priest. He died once for all of our sins. We don't have to continue to make atonement for sins. He's accomplished that on the cross as we just heard read. So please stand and let's sing our final song, praising the Lord for our great high priest. Before the throne of God above have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives in peace for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands. No tongue can bid me thus depart. No tongue can bid me thus depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Of word I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory of grace. One with himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood My life is hid with Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God One with himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Amen. Friends, what, is a, what a joy it's been to gather together to commemorate what God accomplished on Good Friday. No human mind could conceive of such a thing. The glory, the glory that is revealed in the cross of Christ is astounding. That's why we call it Good Friday, because through Christ we have atonement, salvation, forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation. We have atonement through the blood of the Son of God. 
And the greatest blessing of the atonement is that we call God Father. We do that almost without thinking. We call God Father and we enter his presence with confidence and joy. Ah, what a joy it's been just to reflect upon Christ given for us. Tomorrow is Saturday. Historically, the church has called the Saturday between Friday and Sunday, Silent Saturday. Today is Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday is coming. Tomorrow is Silent Saturday. Those in Jesus' day did not understand what had happened on Friday, and Sunday was still one day away. So on Saturday there was silence as God's people waited and wondered what would come. For us, however, for us, the silence of that Saturday has been forever broken by the good news of Christ's resurrection. Amen? Amen. We know how the story ends. And it ends in glory to God and salvation for the church. So whether it's Good Friday or Silent Saturday, the good news of Jesus' resurrection is never far from our minds. And I pray that's what you leave with tonight, that's what you reflect upon tomorrow, and that's what you come ready to rejoice in on Sunday. The good news that he is not here, he is risen. We look forward to seeing you on Resurrection Sunday. I pray tonight's been an encouragement to you. Receive this benediction from God's word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Go in his peace.